Hi, this is Rosalinda, the host of Faith Fuel Podcast, the show where we hear voices of people transforming the world for Jesus. Pastors, leaders, entrepreneurs, and world changers. So sit down, relax, or keep it driving. It's time to get some wholehearted, wide open, and yes, sometimes side-splitting encouragement and direction for your life. So get ready to get fired up. Hi, I'm Rosalinda, and I am, you know, I always say this, you know, say, I love this person I'm about to interview, but I really do because it reminds me of my dad's story. Many of you guys know that my dad, Victor Torres, he was in a gang at the age of 12 years old, and then by 14, he became a heroin addict. But one day, David Wilkerson was preaching on the streets, and my grandmother heard about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and she brought Jesus home. And she went after that gangster, her son, my dad, and she prayed, and finally, he came to the Lord, and he has spent his whole life, I'm honored to work with my mom and dad, reaching young men and women on the streets and watching their lives totally transformed to the glory of God. And so today I have Abe with me, Abe Cruz, author of Forever Faith. And I'm just so excited, Abe, to have you with me today. Thank you so much, uh, Rosalinda. I am so grateful. Um, I'm so appreciative because it's an honor and a privilege. And, and as you said, we give thanks and praise to God for giving us today because it's a blessing. So thank you. I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. He is a motivational <laughs> speaker. He is a business entrepreneur. He's a fitness personality. I just told him I literally just did a mile on the treadmill. Come on, somebody. He is a founder and CEO of Forever Faith. It's a multilingual fashion and fitness brand, as well as a mission of inspiration and motivation. Abe, you're reaching millions for the glory of God. Tell me a little bit about your background. Like, where did, how did you get to being this evangelist? Like, where did it all begin? You know, I, I think it just comes from, from life experiences and, and God puts us here to live out the best us possible. God wants the greatest for us. Um, I think that we just get lost and distracted with the chaos that's going on every day, right? Whether it be music and TV and, and the new foods out and just all of that is a distraction from us becoming the best version of ourselves that God really wanted. Um, I was born in, in East LA, you know, with a, a single mother. My father left when I was Four years old. It was me, my my brother, my sister. So it's four of us in a one bedroom apartment. Wow. Um, I, I write in my book that you know I, I remember at ten years old I was picking cockroaches out of my cereal. So I grew up kind of you know a little bit less fortunate, but my mom worked her tail off to provide for us. She worked three jobs, whether you know whatever she had to do, she worked uh, hard so she could provide for the family. So I'm just so grateful for my mom. You know, she was, she's everything to me. The eight single moms <laughs> out there. Yeah. Um, we were in poverty. I was wearing the same clothes every day. Mm -hmm. my, my, I had horrible acne. I was being teased for yeah, holes bullying. in my clothes, bullying for holes in my clothes and horrible pizza faces, what they called me. So my seventh grade year, I left school and, and lied to my mom. And I told my mom that I was going to school every day, but I didn't. I would go to the park and I would play sports. I would shoot free throws. I would run sprints. I would just train, but by myself. Uh -huh. I was secluded because I was sad to see other people, you know, but that helped me athletically <laughs> overall. <laughs> and I kind of, I repeated the seventh grade and then I ended up going to a Catholic high school. 
sports was really my biggest blessing. Sports got me out of the hood. It got me out of East LA and I moved on to Pasadena and Alhambra. It got me an education and I've lived a crazy life. <laughs> did you, Abe, did you grow up knowing the Lord? My mother was Jehovah Witness. My father left. And then I got baptized in the Catholic Church. Oh, go ahead. Because my athletic coach brought me into a Catholic organization. And fortunately, because of, of the, the blessings that came along, I didn't have to pay for my education there either. Um, and I went to high school. I won a CIF championship as a true freshman. I guarded Baron Davis, who plays in the NBA. Wow. He played in the NBA. He went to UCLA. That was great. And then I went to college. And I didn't pass my SATs. I didn't qualify for a Division One scholarship. And I was on the phone with people like Notre Dame, wow. uh, UCLA, Arizona State, and I just, I didn't qualify. Then I got hurt. So all these different obstacles hit me along the way. I get to college, I win a championship. We, we go 13 and one. And I go home for the summer and uh, I see a bunch of 19 and 20 year olds driving Mercedes and Bentleys and Ferraris. Mm -hmm. These guys are making a hundred thousand a month. And wow. you know, for somebody that grew up in poverty and in college that year, I was cutting people's hair for $13 to make right. extra money. Right. <laughs> I went back, I saw that, I asked my brother, show me what's going on. I was introduced to the network marketing world and I learned the business. I made $49. Right, there <laughs> and, you go. Um, and I got back to Wisconsin and I grabbed a, a bunch of my, my athletes and I said, you guys, there's guys making 100000 a month in L.A. our age. We need to be doing this. So I showed them the calendars, all of the cars, and they all pulled out their parents' credit cards, got involved with network marketing, and within four or five months, I already made 30, 40 grand. Wow. So now I went, you know, from poverty in L.A. Now you're tasting now a whole nother level of income. You're young. I don't know. It could be good. It could be bad. What happens after this? When you've never had anything in life, you don't know how to value it. You don't know how to appreciate it. And, you know, I'm spending money on sushi every night. I'm buying Rolexes now, down payments on cars. Right. Um, and I'm playing football still. And before you know it, someone from L.A., an upline of the network marketing company, who was making about 100000 a month, they fly out to Wisconsin and they start to mentor me. But they told me that I would never be on their level unless I dropped out of college and left football. Wow. And I wanted to go to the NFL or the NBA. Like those, I, I, did play, I had played since I was 11 years old. And now I'm like 19 and 20. And that was the goal to get out of the hood. Right. Um, but I started making a lot of money. So I dropped out of school. I continued to pursue the business for about another year in the Midwest, going on to Chicago and, and St. Paul, Minnesota. And I get a phone call from my upline in LA and they tell me, save all your money. The company's closing down. Uh, and I, I was like, how can that be? I just dropped out a few months ago. And now you're telling me we're done. Oh, my whole, my, my whole, I, I, gave, I gave all this up, my education, because, you know, you told me I'd be on the same level as you. And now I made a lot of money, but the company's closing down and I had no idea. Oh my gosh. I'm enjoying just listening to the story. <laughs> Because I have a background in business. I've been in multi-level marketing. I, I know a lot of what you're you're talking about. And, and I got to say, you know, I learned a lot of great things. Finances, that can be a distraction. I'm sure you were living a life of a young man at that age, doing all kinds of crazy things. Now you've lost this income. And now you're going, how do I replace it? So I'm back in LA, kind of starting all over. I ended up booking 
music videos as a dancer. Okay, <laughs> all right. Hip hop, I was a hip hop dancer, just hip hop. So, so now, um, you know, every few months my phone is being either cut off or I barely have enough money to pay for my, my cell phone bill. My mom is going through her own struggles and needing help, you know, so now I'm, I'm personal training from 5 a.m. to 10 a.m. Then I'm going to the real estate office as I'm learning to sell houses and loans because that's the big money potentially, right? That could, that could draw in some big Change money. Change your life, yeah. And, uh, and then I got caught up in club promotions. Um, and obviously you start meeting a lot of people, you know, you're just networking. I'm just hustling, three, you know, working three jobs now. And one night coming from Orange County to Los Angeles for a client that I had to train at 5 a.m. I pretty much pulled a 24-hour shift going into the next day, 26, 27 wow. hours. I fell asleep behind the wheel. I didn't have insurance. My my car is totaled. I can't do anything about it. I, I probably have a hundred bucks in my pocket, you know. My girlfriend, it was her friend that called me to tell me she didn't want to see me anymore. It broke my heart. So, you, so your girlfriend's friend broke it down for you and was like, that's a wrap, babe. That's a wrap. She doesn't want to see you. Stop calling her. And I'm sitting on the ground crying. I remember my mom telling me, it's okay, mijo. Todo va estar bien. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay, mijo. Yeah. And now this is where I'm starting to make desperate decisions. And somebody else approached me and said, Abe, I saw your car. It's busted. I know that you're struggling. I, I know what you're doing. How about, you know, I offer you, I'll pay you $10,000. Just mm -hmm. get in this car, drive it from point A to point B. Mm. And I'm like, first, there's no dead bodies, right? It's not, I'm, right. I'm not transporting dead bodies. He's like, no, no, no. I say no for probably about two months. And then eventually I came back and said, is that, is that opportunity still on the table? I need it. Now I'm just, I'm just struggling. Yeah. So now you're in the hole, but that's how the enemy comes in. It's like, you've lost everything. You've tried everything. You know, you, you live in the life, you got the fast cars, you got the women. I mean, you know, even on the outside for some people, they're looking at you. Wow. He's got it going on, you know, but there's a brokenness there, but that is where the enemy, he just comes right on in at that point. And he goes, look, you know, and you get approached with that. And so you say, yes. After I finally said, yes, what is it? It's just a drive. I'm just driving from here to there. I don't have to do nothing. I don't have to hurt nobody. I'm, there. I'm not doing anything, right? Just drop it off, Abe. Leave the car there. There's another car for you, you know, across the, the parking lot. Just like the movies. It's a movie. Wow. Go, go to a hotel for a few days. Here's some cash. Go eat. Go, to, go get some steak and lobster. Hang out. And uh, we'll call you back when ready. You drive. Now you drive the car back. How so, old are you when all this is going on? Probably 22, 23, because I actually end up, I did it for almost two years. Eventually that, that joyride came to an end and I was incarcerated at 25. So you get involved in this. You're doing this. I mean, your mom obviously has no idea what you're doing. Nobody, Nobody knows, knows what I'm doing. And I all of a sudden went from no car to an all black BMW and a Rolex and Versace shoes and everything else. And so what happens on that night? Like when you get arrested or, so, you know, cause your life takes a turn right here. I'm driving back and um, you know, I'm just anxious to get home and get paid another 10 grand, another 20 grand, you know, paper bag with $20,000 in it, you know? And um, one night I was driving through the state of Oklahoma and I just come off the turnpike you know, two cars pull out of the bushes and eventually they put on the siren 
I'm, you know, I'm, I'm dressed like a college kid. And, and I lied and that's what I told them. I told them I was visiting my girlfriend here at the university and they said they smelled Bondo. Something was a little off to them. And um, they put me up on the grass and not even within two minutes, two DEA SUVs pull up. Boom, boom, wow. boom, boom. The, the dogs, sniffing dogs out of the car. Oh they my goodness. The car. They read me my rights, put me in handcuffs. Wow, and so you um, get locked up that night. Thrown in county jail. Did you call your mom when you got arrested? That's what I was gonna ask. No, I did not call my mom. <laughs> I did not call my mom. I called my brother and said, hey brother, there's a brown paper bag over here in this area. There's money to come bail me out. I need you to fly out to Oklahoma, bail me out. We need to get an attorney. And usually I'm home in 48 to 72 hours. I was gone now for almost a week. So I called my mom and as soon as I called my mom, she's crying and screaming. And the DEA raided the house in Los Angeles. Oh my gosh. So now my mom says that there's 30 DEA agents <sighs> with dogs and shotguns and, and pistols and everything else. And they just raided the house, throwing the whole house upside down, looking for, for drugs or money or anything. And they found nothing. Um, they found nothing because all I ever had was money. The DEA, you know, screamed and yelled at me, told me I was horrible son. I, I agreed with them and said, I'm sorry. And, you know, there's nothing I can do now except move forward. They wanted to give me a 30-year sentence. So oh they wanted God. to put me in 30 years. Uh, in the state of Oklahoma, they don't play. I mean, are you panicked? Are you, what's your emotions right now? Um, are you calling out to God? Like, you know. No, I, I was I was afraid. I was scared. They, You end up serving time. How much time do you did you end up serving? I ended up serving three years in like seven, eight months. Was it there that you came into like a, a deeper encounter with the Lord? The guy who booked me in, he took my ID. He looks at my ID. He says, man, I'm from Orange County. I have a son your age. What are you doing out here messing around? And I said, man, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know. I'm way in over my head. He puts me in another holding cell by myself. There was 30, 40 other gangsters and, no and drug addicts and, and, you know, thugs in there. He puts me in another cell by myself. And I had no idea why he just said, hey, stay over here. I don't want you to get into any trouble. He didn't even know me. He didn't even wow. know me. And my story has a, a hundred of those. I started to realize God was, was trying to get my attention. And I kept denying him. Um, I fought the case for two years. This is where my mom started a prayer chain all over the world. And every couple months, I get a phone call. All right, the district attorney has now dropped it from 30-year violent to 25-year violent. <laughs> and wow. then it kept dropping, kept dropping. And then they switched it from a violent crime to a non-violent crime. I got, were, I got, were you armed? Is that what made it no. violent? No. They said that there was a key of cocaine in there. Now, I don't know if there is or not because I, I was just a driver. You were the driver. But because there was an actual kilo of cocaine... That was classified as a violent crime because of the amount of, of money and damage it could do on the streets. I know. So I have an aunt and I want to say she did 10 years and she was uh, up and down 95. She was a driver. And one day at the toll booth, right up the wow. street from our church, they stopped her and they popped the area where the, um, the speaker to the radio was. And in there, she had the cocaine. She did. Wow. She, she, her husband was the one that got my dad in the gangs all those years ago and she thank god gave her life to the lord um but she you know she came to know the lord at the end 
And that was her legacy. And even in the funeral, I mean, all my cousins, they were gangsters. I mean, they, I got Muslim cousins now because they became Muslims in the prison. And we had 126 cousins that came to her funeral. So the legacy, even with her at the end, is that her faith drew them to the house of God. And unfortunately, so many people today, Abe, the only time they end up in a building or a church is in a casket at their funeral. And so she, you know, she's there, but we gave the altar call. And I mean, literally, almost all of them gave their life to the Lord. We just said, if you love her and you want to spend eternity and, you know. I'm going to cry. You're going to make me cry now. Yeah. And so it was so powerful to see their hands raised up. And I can only imagine your mother, Abe, praying for you. No mom dreams that their child, their mijito, that they love and they pour everything into. And even though she had to work so hard and probably couldn't be there for you all the time, you know, you're being arrested. You're, you're caught up in this lifestyle. And, you know, I see your book is called Forever Faith. You know, what is it that Christ has done for you, Abe, that through this journey, no matter, you know, you have your, your company today, you know, you're a man of God, God is going to use you in a powerful way to speak into this generation. You have to know that Christ is your solid rock. Now, what is, what was that point in your life where you surrendered? So when I had to turn myself in finally, two years later, my mom flew out to Oklahoma to be with me and she's in the back. The judge banged the gavel. They ended up dropping my sentence to 10 years in, 25 out, nonviolent. My mom was crying and screaming on the floor. The, the guard handcuffs me because the judge says, take him away. The guard in Spanish tells me, todo va a estar bien. Dios mm. tiene un plan para ti. Ah, my goodness. And I'm crying. My mom's in the back. Ay, Dios mío, por favor, ayuda mi hijo. She's, she's just, you know, crying and screaming out loud, asking God. So the person that's getting ready to book me in is the same guy who booked me in two years ago and put me in a separate cell. And he does it again. He puts me in a separate cell. So I called my mom when my attorney told me, Abe, they denied your review. You're not getting out. You're going to be in here for at least three, four years, five years maybe. I cried. I was depressed for a few days. I finally called my mom. My mom tells me, get on your hands and knees. Ask God for a second chance. Pulls out the Bible. Tells me, you need to sacrifice for God. There was a 40-year fasting where Jesus was in the desert. My mom tells me, you have to fast for 40 days. I fasted and then I prayed every night. I started to dream and have visions of the future. And the visions were, were words. It were actions. It was, I saw myself on, on the top of a, um, of a mountain speaking to the world. And I saw all the wow. world there. And the message was telling the world, no matter what's going on, forever keep your faith. Not part-time faith. Not sometimes oh, faith. Oh, that's so good. Not only when it's convenient faith, right? Not only when you're making money faith, but forever faith. Trust that I am here. I am your Lord. I am with you at all times. And that's such you know, a good word. And listeners, you know, if you're listening to this podcast right now, we can't just have faith when we're on a mountaintop. You know, it's in the valleys. You know, this morning I was thinking about the best lessons in life has been in moments of, of adversity. Amen. You know, and it's it's when you were on your hands and knees in that jail cell 
You know, it's got to, it's when it hurts that we grow. And I love that. I'm going to keep that close to my heart forever, Faith, when it's good, when it's bad. If you're listening today, maybe you have a son or a daughter that has gone away from the faith and you want to give up your faith, don't give up. Continue to pray for your son or daughter. You know, that is, that's why we're on this video today. That's why we're on this podcast today, because we got to let you know that it can't be when everything's rolling great. See, right. we, you know, things, Abe, I, you know, here we're pastors in a church. And a lot of times we see people come to church when they're in their most desperate need. And when things get good, oh, I don't have to go to church anymore. But forever faith speaks about having faith in the good and in the back because God is always there for us. The formula to success is I go into the juvenile detention centers. As I go and I speak, you know, with these inmates, God first, yourself second. You cannot lose. That's the right. mindset of champions. When we actually put him first 24-7, not just on Sundays or not just on Wednesdays, not just, you know, when things are flowing. All the time, we wake up and the first thing that we do is we must bow down and give our thanks and praise for another beautiful day so we can carry out this mission. And, you know, most people don't find their mission in life because they're distracted. They're distracted from all of the chaos going on. So that's what we were saying is God... God is there for us and he keeps knocking at your door. Hello, are you going to open yet? I, I've been telling you where to go, but we are the problems. We create our own issues. So that was the beginning of Forever Faith. I wrote it down on napkins and papers. I wrote over 200, I call it documents, but it was my business plan from prison where wow. Forever Faith was a message for the world. Um, and I actually started designing clothes in prison with messages. And it wasn't about just like having a clothing line. It was we make a deal, right? And everybody, we talk about the entertainment, they sold, they sell their soul to the other side. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I committed to that point in prison. My soul is yours, father. I am here to, to, to represent you. And I said, look, I don't know when I'm getting out because they denied my review. But I said, if you give me a second chance and allow me to live in this world outside of prison, I will tell the entire world that it is you that gave me this chance. It is you that we're here to represent and I'm here to fight for you. I'm one of your warriors now. Um, and after that, I told my mom, I said, mom, I'm fine here in prison. I'm in, I'm in boot camp now. I understand wow. my purpose. Yeah, and, and you know, fast forward, I get out almost four years later. I had over 200 pieces of paper that was laid out as a plan. And I was writing with crayons and napkins because I didn't have like a folder and everything else. No laptop so, in prison? No laptop. No iPad. No. Okay. No. Eventually I got out on the ankle monitor and no one wanted to give me a job. I had to get a job. And even though Forever Faith was the mission, I had no money. I had nothing. I, I had to start somewhere. And my probation officer said, go find a job. You have, you know, two, three weeks. No one gave me a job. Everyone said no. There was a pastor who came in from Victory Christian in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And he would come into Sepulpa Creek County. I would show him all of my designs and my paperwork. And I said, when I get out, I'm gonna speak to the world. I have a message for the world. He gave me his number. He says, you call me if you ever need me. Well, four years later, I call him. I'm out now. I'm living in a Christian sober living home. That's where I was. I had to stay right. with the ankle monitor. Um, so I call him Pastor Hellstrom. And I say, Pastor, it's been a while. I'm out. Thank you so much for your blessings in the past. I have a dilemma. Tomorrow I have to meet with my probation officer at 8 a.m., but I have a job interview 
at 11 a.m. And I can't, the bus takes me three hours to go to, to my job interview. Um, my probation officer said, if you don't have a job in 48 hours, I'm sending you back to prison. Oh. My probation officer told me this. He says, Abe, I'll take you to your job interview and to your probation officer uh, meeting under one condition. I said, what is that? He said, you have to go to church with me on Sunday. Done deal. Absolutely. <laughs> of course. So he takes me to both. I got the job at the gym. I walked next door to a nutrition store. I only had like five bucks in my pocket. I wanted to buy a smoothie. Somebody walks into the smoothie shop. They ask me for my advice on what's the best supplement to take. I said, I don't know. It's been like five years. I've been in prison. I don't know what's wow. new. They end up getting the product I recommended. They paid the owner. The owner turns around and says, if you're looking for a job, you're hired. Oh they, my goodness. Me, I got the two jobs. One day I called my probation officer. My pastor Hellstrom picked me up for church on Sunday. We went to victory, weeped over the altar calling. I, I, I was there and, and obviously I acknowledge uh, Jesus as my savior, my power, my, my leader, the, the one who's guiding me in life now. I walked into the front, I fell down. I couldn't stand because I was crying so hard. I fell to my hands and I rolled over and that was it. I, I've been on fire, I've been in 100% motion and you know God has just led the way. Well, you know what? It's a story of redemption. It's a story of surrender. It's a story of hope. It's a story that hasn't been finished writing yet. There is more to come. Nine months out of prison, I end up in Tulsa and somebody, I'm, I'm telling somebody my story. I pull out all my prison paperwork and I tell them, this is the vision that I had from prison. They say, guess what? My aunt owns a print shop and we can print some shirts for you. I said, no way. They front me like 20, 40 shirts. I sell them in the gym. I end up going to Kentucky Fried Chicken. Guess who's in the back cooking? A tattoo artist that was in prison that was drawing all of my artwork from prison. Oh my goodness. By this time, I ended up becoming the manager of the gym. Wow. I tell him to quit his job at Kentucky Fried Chicken. I hire him at the gym with me now so he can start working on Forever Faith Mission again. That's a story. Someone sees the t-shirts in the gym we had three meetings. He helped investing in the company. And a year later, I was on national TV in Los Angeles and everything else just kind of skyrocketed from there. I, I want to bring it in for the people that are listening right now. And I think that you're, you guys are hearing a story of somebody that maybe when he was younger, you may have walked by somebody like Abe and just thought, you know what, this kid, you know, he's into everything. You know, I, I can never see him on fire for the Lord. And this is where we get caught up. You know, we sometimes give up on praying for our sons. We give up on praying for our daughters. We give up on praying for our husbands and our wives and our family members because we think, no, they'll never surrender to the Lord. But, you know, as we bring it to a close, Abe, I, you know, I want to encourage those that are listening today to have that forever faith. And I want to just pray, you know, for those people listening today that maybe have a family member that is just in a crazy lifestyle. Maybe it's not delivering drugs from the East to the West or handling all this kind of money, but maybe they're just in a depression or they're in a bad relationship. 
There's so many things that the enemy uses to pull us away from his glory. And God's just sitting there going, man, I got such great things for you. If you would just let go of all these distractions and we're just going to pray right now. So Lord, I just thank you. And I praise you, Lord God, for Abe. I thank you for his life. I thank you for everything. Lord God, all these stories, these, I just have so many visuals of what this may have looked like. And then of course, the heart of a mother, Lord God, that's broken, that has a, a her child, they'll always be their baby, Lord God, in prison and never, not even knowing, Lord God, when he would come out, but knew enough to tell him to get on his knees, to fast, to pray, to get the breakthrough. And Lord God, today we celebrate Abe's life. We celebrate, Lord God, having forever faith. We celebrate, Lord God, all the people that will hear his story, Lord God, that will turn away from the distraction, that momentary gratitude, and will turn their hearts to you. And Lord Father, I just praise you. We just pray that you would just continue to use him. And if you're listening today, and maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can receive the Lord so easy by just saying yes just saying that you recognize that you've sinned and that you have fallen, and but you know there's a God who has sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for your sins. And right where you are, if you're driving, if you're at home, you just say that prayer and just say, yes, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Come live in my heart and teach me to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hey, it's that simple, man. People can give their life to the Lord and change their destiny. And that's what you did, Abe. And I know God's going to use you. Look, the book, where can they find the book? I would advise everyone to go to foreverfaith.com. I just, you know, you it's forever, foreverfaith.com. I'm signing every single book that comes through there. I sit down and I sign every single one um, because I'm grateful to be here today. And, and it's, you know, to me, it's a privilege. This is the kind of book you can put into the hands of somebody who is lost and they need hope. So Abe, I want to thank you so much for coming on here for just being so like open and just sharing your story. Um, the hope of a praying mom. I mean, you know, we have that in common. My mother prayed for each of us kids. My grandmother prayed for, you know, my father. <laughs> And today we're all changed because of their prayers. And of course, we now need to carry that on that next generation. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It's a blessing in America. And I'm so grateful. Thank you. Amen. Hey, if you're listening today, always remember that I say when you put your trust in God, he will fuel your faith. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Get more at rosalinda.live. If you experience it, we'll examine it. If God's word says it, we'll stand on it. And when you're feeling faint, we are here with your faith fuel. I'm Rosalinda Rivera. We'll chat again soon. This podcast was brought to you by New Life for Adults and Youth, celebrating 50 years of restoring broken lives. If you or a family member has been struggling with addiction, New Life for Adults and Youth is the answer. Visit them at newlife.center.